Hi, I'm Bill Furlong, and along with my colleague, Dr. Mary Crossan, we co-host our podcast, Question of Character, where we answer all of your questions around the Ivy Leader Character Framework. We're delighted you can join us today. And remember, if this is your first exposure to the Leader Character Framework, we'd recommend you go back and listen to our first two episodes, kind of like a Leader Character 101 A and B, and that will provide you with the basic foundations around the Ivy Leader Character Framework. And it'll make it much easier to understand and follow this and other episodes, and we think you'll get a lot more out of them as a result. Now, I'd like to introduce you to my co-host. She is a distinguished university professor at Western University, teaching at the Ivy Business School in London, Ontario. Her research has been widely published in the world's most prestigious journals, and she is the author of numerous cases and books, including Developing Leadership Character. She is Dr. Mary Crossan. Hi, Mary. So good to see you again today. Good to be here, Bill. Great to have you again, Mary. Now, I'd also like to welcome today's special guests. She has worked in executive HR roles across a number of Canadian government departments. She is currently Director General of Leadership and Learning at the Canada Revenue Agency. She is a spouse, a mother, an avid skier, and a yoga practitioner. She's passionate about leadership, leadership character, and sees leadership as a lifelong journey of purpose and caring for others. She is Sonia Cote. Welcome, Sonia. Hello, Bill. Glad to be here. It's such a pleasure to have you here today, Sonia. Uh, your leadership has already come up in a number of episodes that we've done today, so thank you again for joining us. I'd also like to welcome our, today's other special guest. He is a former naval officer who, during his distinguished career, did several tours of duty as a submarine captain. For three years, he was deputy commander of Canada's elite special forces. In 2015, he joined Canada's public service, and in 2018 was appointed the first director of character leadership at the Canada Revenue Agency. To our knowledge, the first position in the world like this, truly innovative. He is married, a father of four, avid about fitness, and like Sonia, passionate about leadership and leadership character in particular. He is Stephen Virgin. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you, Bill. I'm also passionate about skiing and yoga, but I didn't want to copy Sonia. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you here today, both Sonia and Stephen. We're really looking forward to today's episode. We think today's podcast is going to be great for a number of reasons. First of all, starting with Sonia and the idea of the, of the power that one person can make just by virtue of the decisions and actions that they take. Sonia's vision has changed how interviewing is being done at the Canada Revenue Agency. Her work has inspired and being emulated by other federal departments and agencies like the Canada Border Services Agency and the RCMP. Sonia, Steve and Mary have co-authored an academic article detailing their work and along with some recent awards are bringing both national and international attention to the Ivy Leader Character Framework. They're pioneers in interviewing and selecting on character, a core critical component for any organization. They've met and overcome a number of different challenges and really confirmed the practicality for using the Ivy Leader Character Framework in any organization. That have had a profound impact on their people, on their departments and their organization. And they've really began to, I guess, understand and release the, the, the pent up demand that people have in organizations for something along the lines of, of character. And the ripple effects of what they've done go far beyond interviewing. Uh, have had impacts on their organizational culture, people's lives, and people's well-being. So again, thank you, Sonia and Steve, for joining us today. So, Sonia, let's start a discussion around some recent awards that you and your team have received. What can you tell us about that? 
Oh, yes, uh, Bill. Um, uh, first and foremost, uh, this is a team leadership uh, award uh, for HR in the federal public service. And it's named after a head of HR who was a trailblazer across uh, uh, government. Her name is Michelle Secomo. Uh, this is an annual event that recognizes extraordinary work in HR across departments and agencies. Uh, and it's a great opportunity to recognize uh, individuals and teams who demonstrate excellence in people management and emulate the type of behaviors that we value uh, at work. Fantastic. And were you surprised to have won the award? Did you have any, any sort of warning about it or did it just really sort of come out of the blue? Uh, well, there were uh, many uh, teams who were identified as part of, uh, of uh, this award. So it was a surprise uh, because when there's a lot of competition out there, uh, you never know uh, who's going to come out as the recipient of the award. Uh, it, it really was a great uh, honor to be recognized around peers. Uh, there's lots of amazing people in HR doing incredible work. Uh, so to uh, be recognized for effective people management across government, uh, it really was uh, tr truly an honor. And the team at Word extremely hard at elevating um, uh, the philosophy of character leadership, not just at CRA, uh, but working with a number of different partners uh, uh, around Canada, across Canada. So um, uh, it was very well deserved. And I'm very proud. Well, thank you, Sonia. Congratulations to you and to Steve. So, uh, Mary, maybe we can go back to the very first time uh, when you'd, uh, you'd made some presentations to Sonia and her colleagues. And how did you, like, who invited you? Why were you there? What did you talk about? You know, Bill, I, I was thinking back on that, and I'm not sure I could even remember the, the first moment. But I do remember an executive forum at CRA. Oh, and Sonia could probably clarify the numbers for me, but a couple of hundred people in the room, people all across Canada. It was a full day session, a leadership session that CRA was uh, providing. And uh, it was their EX forum. And I was able to spend some time in that uh, to talking about leader character. And it just occurred to me right after that, things really snowballed. Uh, it, things happened fairly quickly after that initial uh, entree. Uh, at, at CRA. So Sonia, you know, you were there that day. What did you think about Mary's presentation? And had you heard of, of leadership character before? So, so I can tell you a little bit about how I felt and also perhaps give you a bit of background information around how I was asked to uh, connect with uh, Mary to find out about her work. Um, certainly, I had not heard about character leadership, character leadership described uh, in such a meaningful way before. Uh, the concepts, the theory described so eloquently by uh, Mary resonated with me, and it was clear that it was founded on years of research uh, as a result of the financial crisis of 2008. Uh, as someone who's worked in people management for a couple of decades, I knew that this was very powerful. Um, I. Um, could make the link quite quickly to uh, 
how this could support organizational excellence and employee well-being in our organization. And of course, what was more telling, uh, during that uh, outreach activity with 400 plus executives uh, was how uh, people reacted to the presentation. So they were engaged, they were excited, and as Mary said, they wanted more and fast. Um, if I go back in time in terms of why we reached out to, to Mary, uh, in 2016, I was uh, tasked with uh, developing an approach to better engage the executive community at the Canada Revenue Agency. Uh, and one of our very senior leaders in the organization mentioned that, that I should start with uh, developing leadership. So thinking about who leaders are um, and uh, understanding that this is what matters most uh, in our organization. And he said, you have to talk to Mary Crossan at the Ivy Business School. And I was intrigued, uh, quickly followed up uh, on the request. And this remains uh, one of the best course of actions I've taken in my career. Um, so, uh, of course, when you think about uh, the, the model, it's profound, it's powerful, it, it's complex. There's a couple of, uh, there's a nuance in, in a sense that it's complex because it takes a, a, a lifetime to master and, and perfect, much, much like an athlete. Uh, but at the same time, it's easy to understand. Uh, it's so well researched uh, and it's applicable to uh, private and public uh, areas in my opinion. So of course, I was very inspired um, uh, and I could see the number of applications in, in, in HR management and in our programs at the agency. So then you, you reach out to Mary uh, and you have a conversation with her. So you know, where did you go from there? What you know, did you have some sort of an idea? Did you have some sort of a vision in your mind as to where you wanted to take this? Um, it, it's interesting because at the beginning, uh, the expression I was would used with the team was a cake is baking. Um, <laughs> uh, I knew we were on to something. Uh, I knew there was something really profound we could do with character leadership at the agency, but I wasn't sure uh, exactly what it would look like. Um, as I said earlier, I wanted to link this to organizational excellence. I wanted to link it to uh, employee well-being. I wanted to start with awareness and, and development uh, of our employees, hence why we invited Mary to our executive forum. Uh, I felt very strong strongly that we needed to have a certain level of awareness in our executive community before we could tackle any other areas of, of integrating character into the organization. Um, then I became curious uh, in, a, in a conversation I had to Mary, with Mary, uh, where she mentioned that she was assisting an NHL team in how to uh, pick their best players. And I started wondering if we could also uh, use character in our hiring practices at the agency. And I remember the first time I said this, a lot of people looked at me like I had three eyes or I was uh, from another uh, planet uh, because they felt that our legislations, our policies would not enable us to uh, make this change uh, in such a large organization. Um, so 
I was thinking about how, how do I make the connection so that people can see the possibilities. So when uh, every year when I went in front of our board of manager uh, management uh, to talk about the state of executive, uh, the executive community, they often said that uh, we should look at how we hire the very best in our organizations. And they all often asked me, how do we know if we're hiring uh, the very best individuals? And of course, I never had a very good answer to that, that uh, question. The other element that was very that, that was at the forefront uh, of the reflection for the board of management was the demographics of our community of our executive community, knowing that a large proportion of our executives were eligible for retirement in in the next few years, and uh, it started with um, with a conversation that had more of a negative spin around oh my how will we ever be able to replenish our community and ensure that we meet our objectives to a place where it became an opportunity um, where because we will have all these opportunities to hire how can we hire differently and how can we hire for the agency for the leadership as opposed to a specific a position and and what i realized as well uh, among uh, during these these years of exploration is that there were a, a number of disruptors at all levels of the organizations who felt like me who 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 understood that uh, to have great leaders in organizations, um, perhaps we needed to focus less on the technical ability and really focus on who the leaders are, what they brought uh, at the table, and uh, perhaps start thinking about what that could look like in our hiring processes. So you faced, I mean, some very significant obstacles. I mean, you're thinking about how, like the structure you'd mentioned before, the existing practices, um, it's a whole, it's a, it's a new concept that you're, you're starting to bring in here. You've got a significant turnover of executive staff that you're trying to deal with. I mean, there's a lot going on when you're bringing this into play. Was it something that you began to pull together um, kind of like a consensus across, across your peers and, 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 your, uh, and your managers and the team more broadly? And did you then develop some sort of a, of a, of a, of a plan with like timelines or was it more a case of you you sort of approached each obstacle and dealt with it as it came or was it a bit of both i would say all of the above <laughs> really um if i think about uh the work that uh that mary and the team has done for me i felt like we has we had such a great opportunity because we had a very sound theory and um I, I, it reminded me of a quote from Kurt Lewin, uh, who said, there's nothing more practical than a good theory. Um, so it was about thinking about that theory and bringing it, it into practice into an existing large system. Uh, of course, it took a lot of courage from a lot of us in, in HR, uh, because trying to change the system uh, in an organization that is used to operating a certain way uh, required uh, more than one voice, right? It required a number of us um, um, uh, aligning uh, ourselves and ensuring that the messages were, were coming across. 
one of the things that I thought was extremely important and we often forget about when we think about change, changes of this mag magnitude is how I needed, we needed, Steve included, to work with our existing HR professionals who were used to working uh, in the current um, policies and practices and guidelines that had been in place for years and years at the agency. So really working on uh, involving them from the beginning uh, so that mindsets could be changed at that level. I, I often refer to them as our engineers. They they are the individuals who will basically change the policies and practices. And if we don't involve them from the get-go, then we run the risk of uh, not being able to implement uh, um, uh, effectively and as quickly as we'd wish. Now you asked, uh, did I need to have uh, support from the organization? Absolutely. Uh, I think in any change initiative, the first thing one should do is look for who are the allies in the organization, um, bring them together, uh, co-create, which is what we did. Uh, it, this wasn't seen as an HR initiative that was developed in isolation. We brought from the very beginning our very senior leaders of the organizations and said, hey, we'd like to try uh, hiring differently. Who's interested in this? And, and of course, there was enough, enough um, uh, growing pains, I think, for our clients in terms of how we are currently hiring, uh, that we had many hands up. <laughs> they all wanted to wanted to be part of this. Uh, and then what we did is we created three uh, three pilots one at a regional level and two with our key uh, program areas uh, at, at the agency. And we set up a DG level working group who uh, helped us uh, develop that plan from beginning till end. And we, Steve and I can talk a little bit about what that looked like from a staffing perspective, uh, but they were really the ones in the driver's seat. They were the ones who were saying to us what they wanted uh, at the various steps, of course, with the guidance of HR and Mary who showed up uh, for a number of these, uh, these uh, meetings with our uh, director generals so that they would understand uh, the depth of the model and how powerful it could be in the work that they were undertaking. So Sonia, just a, a couple of things that I thought you guys did incredibly well. And, uh, and I wanna go back just for our listeners to help them understand that when you said focus less on technical competence, I think that you, it wasn't so much focusing less, it is elevating character alongside competence because you, you clearly you guys, I know uh, technical competencies are, are really important, but what, how would you elevate character alongside competence? And then the, the piece that I thought was really well done, uh, a, a frame of uh, a way of saying, uh, Jeffrey Gans often says, you know, how do you be open-minded but not empty-minded? is that when you went to these groups, these working groups, your team had done a lot of legwork to get in front of the team, uh, those that in these forums, ideas about how this could be done. And so if I roll it back to me working with your team in those early stages, what we wanted to do was look at end to end 
how did you select on competencies right from your posters through to um, the interviews and understanding reference checks and looking at all the documentations to say, well, what was the parallel structure? If you were going to insert character into that, what would it look like? And I, I recall going back and forth with your team, really ensuring that there was a rigor around that process and a, a way of mindful thinking about how those would come together. So by the time you were getting with these uh, individuals across the organization, it was really engaging and thought process of here's what we're thinking, here's what we're looking at, you know, let's kick the tires, let's see what's going on. Uh, I think it would be a mistake for organizations to go into sessions like that with a total blank slate and try to recreate the system because uh, there had been a lot of really good thoughtful work that your team had done in order to get those forms together. And that created, I think, a really good launch point. Um, and Bill, if I just go back to those meetings, I remember that you had done such a good job of pulling things together. People were so excited. And I remember at one point in time, it, they became so excited about elevating character that it began to almost, you know, forget about competencies and we had to remind people, no, 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 you know, you're going to elevate character alongside competencies. It's great that you're excited about this, but you got to be thinking about how you're going to weave, uh, weave these two together. Yes, and, and uh, Mary, thanks for, for the clarification, because as I was saying earlier, there was a lot of work that needed to happen with the HR professionals to ensure that we were respecting the current standards that we had chosen to adopt uh, from our Treasury Board Secretariat. So uh, we can get into greater details on that, but certainly experience was still extremely important. We needed to ensure that individuals who were selected met the experience required for the positions that they met to a certain level the knowledge because there's still a knowledge base that's required for for the the the, the positions being sought and then the competencies uh, we chose were going to be assessed prior to the interview that would solely focus on character. And I'm reminded um, every week of the importance of the model that IV has created, the three C models, uh, when, uh, when there's this misconception that uh, individuals believe that we're we're now focusing solely on character. I have to backtrack and say, no, no, we're implementing a 3C model. We're keeping the competencies. We're elevating character. And we're also talking about commitment. What does that look like for our executive community and leaders at all levels? So that's a great clarification and more great background. Sonia, you must then have thought with all of this work that you needed to, you know, I guess this, this came about the role of the director of character leadership. How soon did you decide you needed that role? So, so uh, I, I would have liked to have that role from the very beginning, <laughs> but uh, it took a couple of years. Uh, it took, uh, uh, we had to develop a business case to be able to um, have the uh, organization support us in what we thought was really important uh, to ensure that we could further integrate character into the organization. So in my opinion, for this type of transformational change, uh, if, if the agency was serious about leadership, uh, I believe it was important to create a role uh, that would 
fully dedicate to character leadership at least for a couple of years until uh, we understood uh, where we thought uh, this this type of work could fit into the organization and where we felt uh, that uh, it what character was sufficiently infused into the organization and of course uh, steve can talk a little bit later about uh, what we're discovering now as 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 we're we're implementing a uh, character um it's a role that has tentacles in all areas of of, of the organization uh, it needs to do the deep dives uh but also reach broadly uh in uh, organizational culture integration of key programs measurement and evaluation, uh, all areas of HR. So not just recruitment, we're looking into, uh, uh, we're, we're doing a deep dive on development, uh, talent and performance management. So how do you manage talent based on character? Um, we're also now just uh, discovering how we can um, fully integrate into diversity and inclusion. And of course the learning arena, so it's vast. So that's, uh, so Steve, over to you. That's, that's very busy. But just going back to when you first began to hear about leadership character in this role. So what was it like for you when you first heard about it and, and your involvement from there? Um, thanks, Bill. And hi, Mary. And uh, it's, you know, well, for me, it's a dream job. Um, so you mentioned two years. Wow, two years goes by really quick when you're in a dream job. But uh, for, for me, I was uh, an executive in, in national defense, and um, in fact, I was actually doing a program at uh, University of Ottawa at Odell House on re regulatory leadership. And I, I, I was, you know, I had a kind of narrow, you know, sort of professional life in the sense that I was military, and then when I transitioned to public service, I was still with national defense. And being in this this cohort of about twenty or five, uh, twenty five other executives from other departments opened my eyes that there's a lot more out there. So I started looking around and, and then the other thing was, and this actually came up in my, my character interview because the character interview, which I'm sure we'll discuss is very different. But I remember saying to Sonia when she interviewed me for this job that I was uncomfortably comfortable uh, in my role in D&D. I knew everybody, I had networks, had been there for 30 plus years and I, and I was looking for a change up and I saw the advert and you know, Sonia mentioned the, the vast uh, amount of things we look for in a traditional government interview. But the character poster was completely different, um, as opposed to pages and pages of requirements. Um, it was streamlined, even visually it was appealing. Uh, but the, the main thing is it, it said the agency is embarking on character leadership, uh, looking for a director. And um, if you think you're the person for the job, just write us and tell us why. Um, so that, that really caught my attention. You know, I was at an age and stage of life where I only applying for jobs that it really sort of caught and piqued my interest. And uh, it was an interesting approach because I, I saw character leadership and, you know, after all my time in the military, I've studied leadership, I've practiced it, of course, and through the professional military uh, education, studied all kinds of models, but I had not really been exposed to the character model. And I, I looked it up briefly because it was on the poster, but then I actually decided not to look past, you know, just a, a one article that I saw that, that Mary and her colleagues had written because I didn't want to be tainted, I guess, or biased is maybe a better word, word. when I went into the interview. I, I, it said, we're looking for people, you know, leading from who you are. So I thought, you know, I'll go into this interview, just sort of, you know, tell it like it is and see what it's all about and, um, and take it from there. So I didn't know a lot about it. 
now I live it and breathe it. Uh, it's just, it's, it's all consuming uh, in such a good way. Uh, it affects my personal life, professional life, family life. It's, uh, it's an amazing journey. That's fantastic, Steve. So now, Sonia and Steve, uh, you're getting together, it looks like, in 2018. Uh, Sonia, the program's already got a certain degree of momentum behind it. And now you've got Steve on board. Uh, where does it go from here? Did you have a sense of a strategy and a plan and objectives around that? So I'll turn it over to Steve because uh, I left when he arrived. I left for a vacation for a month. So he had a full <laughs> month to create the plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was actually a really uh, unique opportunity because, you know, you get so busy and um, in, in I'm sure every job out there, you, you just get consumed. So it was a very unique uh, starting point or lily pad to all this because I, as Sonia mentioned, I had a day. So I show up in a CRA. I have no networks. I don't know anybody out of, you know, 40,000 plus people. I had a few hours with Sonia and uh, she said, so basically come up with a strategy and a way to, to infuse this and, and, and make it real and make it powerful. And I'm off to Portugal for a month and I'll see you in September and we can check back in. <laughs> and uh, I actually thought that was amazing. And, and in fact, that sort of style of leadership that Sonia has still exists to this day where she paints the big picture, doesn't tell me how to get there. She just tells me what she sees in the future. And then she gives me the latitude to, to take us there. So it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, approach. So, um, so I had a, I had a month plus, you know, I actually had, you know, sort of three to four months, we built a strategy and that was the, the fundamental starting point. Uh, I was given the resources to hire a team of 10. Uh, I didn't hire the 10th person until well over a year into it. Um, really, really took my time uh, on, on who we picked uh, and hired into the team. But we had a few months, we built a strategy and, and hired the first assistant director, tons of outreach. You know, we saw you mentioned that the director general working group, you know, I, I ran a whole influence activity matrix, um, looked at who's who and, and did some of those fundamentals and, uh, and then built a sort of you know, four pillar strategy, if you will. I kind of looked at it as not so much change management. I know there's a lot of doctrine on change management, but we we didn't want to over-engineer it. We wanted to, you know, respect the 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 theory, um, the credibility, the legitimacy of the theory. We wanted to make it resonate with people, and we we built a strategy that Sonia and I took forward uh, later that fall, and was received with open arms, and uh, we got the green light to just run with it. It was great. And at the beginning was the focus on really the interviewing aspect as Sonia had talked about before, or was it starting now to take a more, more different avenues and routes and, and different areas? We, we had a number of discussions and we decided to shift the emphasis because partially, you know, I'm sure my own bias came into it. I've been through interviews like many people in, in the world and in the public service. And I, I find uh, through my, my own personal experience and through, through discussions with colleagues, um, we didn't want to get too focused on the interview. We didn't want it to become about passing a test. So when we built the strategy very deliberately, the number one line of effort to use a, a military expression was development. Um, I, I think we economize on the development of leaders in, in most organizations. Uh, including the one where I spent most of my life. And so some, some good chats with Sonia and we said, no, let's focus on development, you know, and if we develop leaders, all 45,000 of them in the CRA um, with a view to, oh, and by the way, 
someday you might be evaluated on this in an interview, but that's a byproduct. So development became the first line of effort, but you know, not at the expense of the interview because the interview to this day is still an evolution of, of education and, and, and getting people to a place where they can conduct it or candidates can be you know, at ease in the interview. It's, it's a very, very big part of what we do. It's probably one of the things folks we talk about this with, and, and Sonia can tell you it's many uh, that we, we interact with both in private and public arenas. They're very focused on the interview. But once we start talking about the developmental piece, and actually part of the interview is a developmental piece, we'll come to the feedback later, I'm sure, then the development really starts to take over the conversation because that's that's the profound part that I think that Sonia is talking about. So you've mentioned a number of times, Sonia and Stephen, how uh, interviewing for character was one of the focus that focuses that you had. Uh, and it's also the article that's been written that you've co-authored with Mary that really focuses on your experience there. So can we just talk a little bit about that, that this focus that you have on interviewing and selecting for character? Uh, Describing, for example, how you would adapt an existing selection process to incorporate leadership character. Okay, so maybe maybe I can start, and and Steve can can talk a little bit about uh, the feedback piece after. Um, just just for the the um, benefit of the viewers as well, um, uh, what what where we're at at this point is that we now. Um, uh, hold all of our ex entry-level executive um, interviews. Um, they, they all have character leadership now. So that's a decision that's been done uh, at the organizational level. And we're starting to uh, slowly um, uh, integrate it into our more senior level positions at the executive level. We're piloting at the non-executive level this year, a couple of, of uh, pilots as well. And, and I think it's important I share that. Uh, the the organization wanted us to move much faster than we did, but I think one of our roles is to also put the foot on the brake uh, when we want to ensure that it's a very deliberate and credible approach. Uh, so in everything that we do, we want to make sure that we're training our board members effectively, that they have what it takes before um, uh, being able to, to take this on, and that our candidates are fully aware of what the expectations are of them in this new way of being. Um, we we we've noticed uh, that if we we did not take that much effort into it it could probably put the whole um approach at risk uh, so certainly we can talk about lessons learned there but i think that's important to share that that it, deliberately we're going more slowly than what what the system wants uh, of us um so if if we think about uh, the 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 process itself, the staffing or the recruitment process itself. Um, it starts obviously with the uh, job uh, poster uh, that, uh, that we advertise uh, to, to our communities. And um, we work very closely again with our clients to uh, create these posters in a much more streamlined way. So from the very beginning, that was one of the uh, highlights of, of the change for us. So posters, if, if you have seen what they, they look like in, in government, uh, could be 10 pages to 12 pages in, in length. So we uh, really streamlined and probably that was what caught Steve's attention, one to two pages at the most. 
uh, a lot of emphasis on uh, leadership, uh, character leadership, of course, um, and elements of competencies is also identified in there and elements of the knowledge factors. So um, what Mary was referring to earlier, it was important that people understood that we were still going to do that full assessment. Um, we've received lots of comments on the job posters from candidates and from clients that uh, it's often what's uh, for candidates made them want to apply, especially individuals from other government departments. Uh, the screening, uh, one of the things that we added in on the screening uh, phase is a letter that individuals had to write one or two pages as to why they wanted to become an executive and why the Canada Revenue Agency. And at the beginning for a lot of the candidates, I think it was a, a bit difficult because nobody had ever asked them that before. Uh, they weren't sure where to start and what to put in there. Uh, uh, but really what we for us as as board members is we wanted to get to know the individual there and this also helps us ask the first one or two questions at the interview around the individual um, so that changed uh, and of course in the screening we use that information is if we feel there's not enough depth or a sense of purpose demonstrated by the candidate who's interested in becoming an executive or moving up, uh, it's a, it, it can be um, a way to screen out in individuals in the process, along with years of experience, education, and knowledge. Now, in terms of the key, key leadership competencies, at the executive level, there are six competencies that uh, uh, we need uh, to meet in order to access uh, that, uh, that level. We decided that that was still important. And as Mary said, uh, quite a few of our clients had said, uh, oh, we don't want to do this anymore. And it, we did uh, convince them that it was still quite important to have that uh, rigor uh, on competencies. So one of the elements that was really important for us as well was to continue to assess the key leadership competencies prior to the interview. And that uh, is being done uh, either via a written test or via a video that the candidate sends to us ahead of time. So by the time we get to the interview, we know that the individual has uh, the sense of purpose, the uh, level of experience we're looking for, the knowledge factors, the education, and the competencies to do the, the job. Now, what we want to do is assess who they are as, uh, as leaders. One of the things that uh, was very clear for us is that we needed to do a structural intervention, so to speak, for, for the interviews, because a lot of our um, interviews prior to character had um, the, the table, uh, you know, the four chairs or five chairs, depending on how many uh, board members we had, and uh, lots of note taking. Uh, very little eye contact with uh, the candidates. And I have to say for working with deputy ministers uh, for three different organizations, they often mentioned to me that this was one thing that they did not understand because they really 
they missed that connection that they could make with with the candidate. So we were taking this feedback and trying to also integrate that into that structural intervention, so to speak, for character. So we did a bold move. Uh, we removed the tables uh, altogether. Uh, so uh, the interview uh, really was more of an armchair discussion with uh, the candidate. It was uh, 30 minutes in length. And uh, it's, a, as we, we say, it, it was a conversation and, uh, and, and we can talk a bit about uh, what that looks like, uh, but it's peeling the onion, basically. You start with a broad question on leadership that you've seen in the profile of the individual and then it uh, allows you, as Mary uh, so, um, so uh, eloquently did with us in terms of coaching and mentoring us, it allows you to get to know the individual in front of you and really um, uh, have an, uh, an assessment of the quality of judgment uh, of the individual uh, in order to be able to um, operate at the level that we're, we're, we're looking for. So there's um, there's a... A significant change then in terms of how you had been doing those processes in the past. You talked about moving the furniture, and you talk about the the idea of of of, of guiding through a leader character uh, focused interview. What kind of work did you have to do beforehand yourselves in terms of maybe the training that you or your colleagues had undertaken? Um, was there some extra work that had to be done there to, in order to be able to conduct those kinds of interviews? Very much so. I, I can start and, and Steve can jump in because he's done so much more now to, 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 to make the training even more meaningful. Um, so it's back to the work that we did with that DG level committee. Um, what we did is we trained these individuals um, via mock interviews, if you wish, they had an opportunity together with their peers to try asking questions and uh, to then know how it would feel perhaps as a candidate. And then for the three pilots, uh, Mary joined us for the first day of the interview and she was um, supporting the chair of the, the board in um, supporting uh, the board, the chair and the board members in um, their comfort level around asking the questions in a different way because in in this type of interview there's no note taking so you're really paying attention to the person in front of you and for individuals who had been taking notes for many many years um, and we're not used to um, an unstructured way of, of doing interviews I think it needed a little bit of a, an opportunity to have someone in there that they could trust and and then understand that they could do it themselves um, so that whole process of having Mary in the room for us for the first three pilots uh, really helped us with the credibility. And then we had, let's say, a handful of other DGs who became quite comfortable doing this. And we used them for the next sessions of training of board members uh, so that they could 
board members perhaps who were not as comfortable um, jumping in, so to speak, uh, could talk to their peers and say, okay, so you've done this, and they could ask some questions and start feeling a little bit more comfortable. So uh, having now done this for two years, we have a pretty good inventory of people who are, are used to it. But I have to say, um, I've done some last week, and with some experienced individuals and every time there's a little bit of nervousness at the beginning because um our executives want to do a good job they want to make sure that when they assess individuals that they do it properly and they need that uh, comfort comforting voice uh, around the table that will allow them to continue to do it um, um, effectively for the organization. So Steve and I spent a lot of time thinking about the design of the board uh, members as we start implementing at a, a greater scale into the organization to ensure that we have individuals who can support others. So it's kind of a train the trainer concept, but for uh, for interviews. Steve, uh, you may want to add a few things that, that we've done uh, recently. Uh, maybe just quickly, Sonia, it's, I think you covered it very well there. I mean, it's um, like everything we do, we like to experiment and explore, um, double down, triple down in, in certain areas. So, so we, we took that as a launching point. We built a day and a half uh, program uh, seminar on, on for board members. And everything we do usually has a bit of a subcontextual sort of element to it. So we do a day and a half of board member training of the, the most senior folks in the CRA. And at the same time, we're actually developing their character, uh, which is which is a very nice second, third order effect. But um, yeah, it's and it's because it's unstructured and you're asking questions for which you don't have a pre-scripted answer, which is those notes that Sonia was talking about for everyone listening or watching. You're, you're activating the character of the board members to have a meaningful conversation. And it might seem intuitive for some, and many people that I talk to about this say it's intuitive, but I don't think so. Um, you know, not, not everybody is comfortable in that space. And um, so we really take them now, and I'll start with a quote uh, that, that I've heard Mary use often, that you know, 90% of us think we're self-aware but only 10% of us are actually self-aware. So our, our board member training, um, again, some of it developed in isolation, some of it developed in collaboration with, with Ivy, Mary and her colleagues, Gerard, everybody. You know, we start out on, on self-awareness, you know, and really get into internal versus self, uh, external self-awareness. You know, we, we make people uncomfortable. Our assistant director for uh, development of character, uh, she gets people dancing and takes them between you know, that sort of green, yellow, red spectrum and gets people into the yellow to show them what it's like to be there because that's the experience as a candidate. So we, we call it the candidate experience. And, and as Sonia mentioned, we've really gotten into the, to the we call them mock, but they're real. We, we do real interviews. We don't assess. We don't take it to the level where you're, you're being assessed. But we take, for example, a senior person, an assistant commissioner, one of our most senior folks, and put them in the interview seat and interview them. And let them know what it feels like, and um, so it's a it's a it's a, it's a very engaging day and a half. We do an orientation session and a sort of just in time uh, session for the board as well because we need those board members to gel. We do the broad training for everybody, and then just prior to an interview process for those five people, we bring them together because they have to gel. They have to share their biases. 
they have to they have to be open to having these conversations with people and um it's yeah it's going well but as sonia says we're, we're learning all the time and we're and we're we probably won't get into the measurement and evaluation framework uh today in terms of time but we are measuring it we're evaluating it collecting tons of data in in very in qualitative and quantitative means and and refining as we go plan do measure adjust sort of approach Bill, I'd add a couple of things, uh, my observation about the uh, interview process, because I know Sonia and Steve uh, will probably all the questions we get is like people saying, well, what are the interview questions? You know, well, give me the list of questions. And we, we really reinforce it, it is not a set of questions that you're asking, and it's not about trying to have a question for each of the dimensions of character. So, you know, you have to go back to the earlier episodes to understand that a character, all of these 11 dimensions in their, in their best form work and support one another. So in the conversation that you're having with a candidate, it might be the kind of conversation that starts to reveal aspects about drive or courage or humanity or humility all simultaneously. And as Sonia talked about, and just for people who are looking for something that's very practical about it, is the initial uh, uh, either video or letter that uh, people have written about, well, why CRA? I, I take an example where one individual talks about, well, innovation, you know, they're really interested in, in, in innovation. It becomes an opening place to say, you know, you've talked about innovation. Why is that important for you? Where, where does that come from? And then through the storytelling of the individual, you start to find out aspects of that, that you begin to explore different areas. You know, here's a very important aspect about character. Uh, easy way to think about it is that you're really trying to understand in general, is it weak character, strong character, or do you get these imbalances and particularly at the executive level because we've privileged a lot of uh, dimensions like courage and accountability and drive and we've underweighted on things like humility and humanity in all likelihood in many organizations you will have executives who really uh, have that kind of image about things so when you're exploring these stories, you are trying to help the individual reveal within them aspects that you think are not necessarily coming out. So that individual who leaves, leads with a strong story about you know, getting things done and breaking through barriers and doing these kinds of things, then you're getting them an opportunity maybe to talk about, well, how were people along the way on that? And how did, how did you think about those kinds of issues? And, you, you really give them an opportunity to reveal themselves. And then I go back to what Sonia and Steve have both said. Uh, a really good character interview slash conversation is one where individuals who are involved in that are developing character themselves. Because the more you're working on it, the more you begin to see where these challenges are, what things are about, the more you empathize with the person that is on the other side of the table. And I love uh, the notion that Steve just talked about is that even in something like board member training, you are actually working at developing that very character muscle 
in the process of uh, going forward. And the last thing I would say, which is also picking up on Sonia's point, I have never seen people who aren't nervous about doing this. I've never seen people who aren't skeptical and a good healthy skepticism. And I would say that it's after they've done either what Steve said, it's not even a pilot, it's a real interview after they've engaged in that. And then after they've done that, you know, first day Sonia where they're, they're working together, they're like, wow, this works. Uh, and so I, I think it's really helpful for listeners to realize that it, it's, it's like a lot of things in life until you step into the experience, you keep yourself an open mind, you engage, you know, that, that, that process, and then you realize the aha moment as you're in the midst of it. And, and I would say how important it is to engage uh, allies along the way in order for this message to be um, repeated. Uh, because if it was only one or two people saying it's worth doing this, I don't think it would have the same strengths. So the fact that we had a director general level committee looking at this, and we had individuals, uh, one of our uh, first uh, pilot interviews were with the IT branch. and. Uh, of course, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of, of um, kind of reticence around will this work for us? You know, we're a very technical branch. I'm not sure if this is going to work. And uh, the assistant commissioner, the deputy assistant commissioner, and uh, the DGs were uh, willing to try this. And after trying it, it they became great ambassadors across the organization uh, because then others said well if the IT branch can do it perhaps we can as well and and it is it is true what 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 Mary is saying is that I find a lot of people before they've experienced it say oh, I'm not sure what this character interview is it won't give us much um, um, it's just a bit of fluff I'm not sure if it, it really will give us the outcome we're looking for and then they try it and the uh, lights go on. They say, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how powerful this would be and how meaningful the feedback can be at the other hand, um, if a candidate is successful or unsuccessful and it's part of the overall development journey that uh, we're taking at the agency. So Sonia, that's a great segue, uh, and Mary as well, into this, the debrief process. What happens after the interview is over? Can you talk a little bit about how the impressions are shared? And you've just touched on this a moment ago, Sonia, what those impressions are like in terms of the value and, and whether or not there's a common perspective uh, that's shared with people and what you learn from those interviews afterwards. So I, so I think I will turn it over to Steve uh, as he's coached a number of individuals in relation to the feed forward uh, piece, and then I can add a few things if needed. I, I think the, while it's only a few moments in, in time, the debrief, the feed forward as we call it, from the character interview, whether you're successful or not, but perhaps slightly leaning towards if you are unsuccessful, can be the most meaningful feedback that one ever gets in their professional career. And that's that's what we're getting uh, fed back to us uh, by and large. Um, of course, not 100%, we, we, we do have some individuals that are not necessarily open to it, but by and large, it's, and, and what, what we decided to do, I guess, was at first it was, 
being done this way in a manner of speaking, but we, we formalize without over formalizing. So the, the feedback is done in the same vein as the interview. So again, activating your character, the feedback is given by one of the senior members, or if not the chair of the board, the same setting that Sonia described earlier, you know, to, to connect with people, um, get rid of the, get rid of the chairs. Don't sit at your desk and have them sit on the other side of the desk. It's not done by the phone. Um, it's done in person right now. It's done virtually, of course, in the world we're living right now, but you know, it's meaningful. And just like we, we ask, we even demand of board members to activate their character to interview. The same thing applies for the, the, the feed forward session for the candidates. And, um, we even, we even run a seminar now to prep. And this is something we've developed in the last six months, uh, a seminar for the board members. So they, and, and they're running with it. And this is, this is the beauty of things when they take off on their own. So the board members now on their own volition, after we do a, a session on how to deliver the feedback, they are getting back together on their own accord. They're reviewing all the summaries from the candidates. They're looking at the strengths, the weaknesses, or the compromises or imbalances of character, as Mary just mentioned. And then they're prepping themselves to have those conversations. Um, and so it's, it's honest, it's genuine. Uh, you know, you can probably see an article or a piece of research a week that pops up in, in various fora in terms of how to give performance feedback. And generally, from what I read, most people are not good at giving it. Most people are not good at receiving it. Um, and I think through the character approach, you know, we found a way to make it meaningful. And, um, and if you think about it in so many different aspects, but I mean, for the candidate who's successful, um, you know, you st we all still have room to grow. And now you've got a map for the future. So if you've got a mentorship program in your organization, and we have a, a large one in the CRA, and then it's you know subdivided amongst our branches and region, now you can tailor. You, you've got a, a window into where that person needs to work and where they're strong, et cetera, et cetera. And you can tailor your mentorship to what you know that really meaningful uh, interview you just had. And if they were unsuccessful, as I mentioned, you can you can have that conversation and whether or not they ever apply to come to another interview at that level again, to me is a bit academic. What's important is they soak it in and they, 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 they change their leadership journey because of that feedback. Again, it's not based on passing a test someday. It's based on changing your character, which is a delicate conversation for some. And has the effect then of, of driving a leader character based culture throughout the organization really one person, one conversation at a time. One of the things that, um, just thinking about then, you've had the leader character interview, you've had the discussion afterwards amongst the board that was sitting there, uh, you've made your decision on the, uh, on the person, and then that person then gets the role. I have really had two questions about that. One, did the leader character interview change what might have been a, a, a decision that was otherwise? In other words, comparing the old process to the new process, do you think you're getting different decisions? And then secondly, um, with the impressions and, and, and um, I guess the common impressions that people had after the initial character interview, you know, after the, after the successful candidate's been in the job for six or 12 months, have those, uh, have those impressions borne out? Have they, been, have they been correct? Any thoughts on that, either Sonia or Steve? Sure, maybe I'll just speak to the first one really quickly there. Um, 
I'll just give you a real example. So the deputy assistant um, commissioner for our IT branch, uh, the former deputy assistant commissioner, spoke about this at one of our board member training sessions in terms of would we have hired potentially differently because of the, the character approach? So to your first question, Bill. And the, the answer is, yes, that's, that's certainly possible and it's happened. And, and the example that I would give you is the external versus internal candidate. And this is, this is one that, that our, our former uh, IT deputy used. You know, there's a tendency, I think, in organizations to hire internally. There's certainly, you know, the, the, the view, and you could even say the bias that you would have in a board where you've seen people in acting roles, you've seen them grow up, you've seen them in their talent management, they come to a competency-based interview. You know, it's a, it's a fairly stale interview, the traditional competency-based interview that we described earlier. and you've got two candidates and you know, you're not a hundred percent sure on candidate A, you've never seen them before. They did okay on their competencies and then candidate B did okay on their competencies, but you've seen them for the past 10 years in their job. So you go with candidate B. I think that's a natural reaction. What our former deputy talked about from IT was what it really gave him now was the chance to truly see who people were as leaders. And he would tell you if he was sitting here on this podcast, I'm sure that he made some hiring decisions and brought in external candidates um, in, into roles because he got to see who they were as leaders. And in a, the previous system, that wouldn't have come to the surface for him to see. And when he was telling this at the board member training, it was about six months later and the candidate was knocking it out of the park. So he was pretty happy with that, uh, that, that one. I can also add that uh, from sitting on many of these boards that this uh, shifts conversations, it shifts the debriefs, uh, it puts uh, more emphasis on areas that we had not put uh, in the past. So the elements of humanity and humility and temperance are the three that come to mind for me right now. Whereas 10 years ago or even five years ago, these conversations would not be occurring when you're uh, hiring an executive. And now every board I've been on, this conversation is happening. Uh, so if it's not uh, changing who we're hiring, I don't know what will. Um, this, is, this is really uh, making a difference. I would add, uh, Bill, that the subject as Steve brought up bias comes up. And I, I think anybody who is listening to this podcast around selection, systemic bias, unconscious bias, those are really the the areas that people are really concerned about. That's why the competency interviews are really structured and we've got these structured responses really to try to get the systemic bias out of the situation because it's plagued areas of selection in the past. It is important, I think, to pick up that character itself and the development of character starts to help one understand what those biases might be. When you think about developing justice, accountability, humanity, humility, you are going through a learning process of trying to understand where it is in your own way of thinking. You may have privileged certain things or looked at things in a very superficial way. The fact that when we're dealing with character, we're honoring the uniqueness of every single individual. Uh, competencies works quite a bit differently than that. Hence, the need to be able to explore these processes where 
you begin to understand who somebody is and, and what they're about. When I think back to your question about uh, hiring differently, and I, I couldn't echo uh, Sonia's conversation even more, is that having me worked in 35 years in the area of strategy and strategic competencies, we know the failures in strategy are rarely failures of competency, but really failures of character. So where would we have been able to identify that is this somebody who steps up to accountability and courage and has the drive, but as Sonia talked about, also the humility, humanity, and those pieces, right, to go along with it. And I, I'm just smiling because I'm thinking, you know, Steve, uh, you are, to me, uh, just a really shining example of somebody who uh, has strength of character, continues to work on strength of character, and, and I think about your interview process at CRA and how much that would have differentiated you as a candidate. You know, there's all these competencies that uh, lots of other candidates would have had, but I have no doubt, I was of course not involved in, in the hiring of your uh, position, but I cannot imagine that, you know, sitting on that interview that people were just smiling ear to ear about who is this guy that we're gonna get at the CRA who has strength of character and competency to go along with it. It's because my wife told me to be myself at the interview. Which <laughs> <laughs> is true. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it, it's true. I, I, I pulled out my old playbook from government interviews and she's like, what are you doing? She said, this, thing want, this, this, this poster says they want to get to know you for a person. So I said, you're right. And I threw the book away and uh, had a fascinating conversation in the, uh, for my character interview. God, we talked about everything under the sun. I didn't even realize I was being assessed. <laughs> Uh, yes, and and of course I was the chair of the, of that of that interview, um, and I, I'd be remiss if if I didn't say that it, it was all about the strength of of self awareness of of Steve really that board members were seeing throughout that thirty minutes. It 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 doesn't take very long for board members to be able to um, assess. Um, level of of uh, depth of self-awareness of candidates and obviously steve has tons <laughs> um so is it too early to ask this question yet but in terms of of metrics and how you measure change you've you've both spoken about how there's a difference in terms of conversations people are getting selected in a different way successfully so are you are you trying to monitor or assess the impact of leader character, both in the hiring process and the organization, using using other metrics, uh, or is the too soon yet to tell? Sonia and I, for the listeners, we're smiling at each other on Zoom here because we've, we've had a lot of conversations about this um, in the past, well, two years, really, since the beginning, but, but the last year in particular. And on Wednesday this week, uh, we're presenting our, our, our measurement and evaluation strategy uh, to the senior officials at the CRA. So it's been a long time in the making. We, we actually started gathering the data a while back, but we've been formulating. So we've had, you know, discussions with Mary, you know, at length with Mary, even her colleague Lucas uh, a couple of times when I've met him. We worked with a methodologist uh, from Carleton University. We have a performance measurement center of expertise uh, in the CRA, because as you can imagine, at the Canada Revenue Agency, we, we measure a lot of things. So we've, we've been out there and we've been working with a lot of people and to, to sum it up very quickly, I'd say, um, yes, we're, we're definitely going to measure and evaluate. We're going to take on that challenge. We think we owe it to the program. 
going back to Sonia's comment earlier about being deliberate, and it's a very deliberate approach. We're going to avoid the tendency to have, you know, stoplight graphs of red, green, yellow six months from now. And the, the head of our strategic branch just loves it. When I say 10 years from now, we'll show you this because I say 10 years from now and she smiles ear to ear because most people would be, you know, in six weeks, I want to see, you know, where's the metric. So, so we've built it on three tiers, three planes, if you will. So we're looking at the, first of all, the, the, the hypothesis on the hiring. So we're saying that in 30 minutes, you can evaluate, analyze, assess character. So that would tell you then if you, if you hired people, through this mechanism and then you follow them and you do a longitudinal study and use other metrics two to three years from now if they're if they're doing good at their job you prove that the interview was correct plus we have surveys from board members surveys from candidates we're overlaying some people analytics into it you know what are success rates like from this region versus that region men versus women full gender uh, plus analysis of the whole thing so we're going to sort of test the hypothesis we're going to we're going to track and do 360 assessments on candidates one year two years three years after they've been hired um we've also we've also got a really interesting thing in the government called the public service employee survey so i think probably for for most listeners that would equate to employee engagement really so we we have about 100 questions that go out um do i trust my boss we've we've picked 16 questions out of that 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 uh, survey you know do i trust my boss do I feel valued at work? And we've, we've found the 16 that mapped to character and mapped to leadership, and we built an index. So we're gonna measure a year over year index. We can break that down to a departmental directorate level. So when those results come out, Sonia could look up my results in, in my team and go, oh, you know, Steve got a 72 on, I trust my boss. You know, the public service average was X, the CRA average was Y, and Steve's was Z. So we're not, I try never to say the word prove because when I say that my statistician colleagues jump all over me um, for correlation and causation, but we're gonna triangulate with all these different methods. We're gonna look at institutional indicators, retention, wellness, sick days, harassment. You know, those things are a bit more delicate, um, of course, but we're gonna, we're gonna look at the institutional level uh, in the long term. We're gonna look at, did, the, did, the, did we hire the, the leader of character we said we're gonna hire? And then the sort of middle tier is just, you know, what is the impact? What is it? What is the impact on the CRA? Um, I've, and we're looking at, again, both sort of measurement being the data, um, the quantitative side, and then these evaluations and several evaluations to look more at the storytelling and the, and the, the, the qualitative side of things. So in 10 years, we'll be back and uh, we'll paint a picture for you. <laughs> Bill, I would say that even though there's a 10-year time horizon for that, in the big scope of changing it, perhaps an entire organization, what I don't think anybody wants to lose sight of is that development of character is immediate and accessible, so that anybody even going through the actual interview would come out of that. I use the phrase, who am I becoming while I'm busy doing? Well, did I become somebody in, a, in the interview who was more courageous, who was more vulnerable, who was more self-aware? And uh, as I know that both Steve and Sonia would talk about, is that as a candidate, you are already accessing character, you're already experiencing, it's already affecting your well-being, it's already affecting the work that you do and your productivity about it. So at the micro level of the individual, you are going to see transformations that happen 
on a regular, you know, 365, uh, you know, kind of cycle about things. And, and again, so keeping our eye on the fact that when you're moving an entire organization, what, what are you trying to accomplish? So for those of us, uh, those are listening is that you, you should be thinking about that developing character and character leadership should drive every single important metric in your organization. And so you were simply asking the question, well, is it driving it? And if not, what's going on? Uh, so the expectation is that it does influence individual level metrics, team level, organizational stakeholder metrics. So it's pretty exciting. I think we talked about this right off the top. It has a, a vast kind of uh, application. That's very exciting. And <clears throat> I don't think we want to wait 10 years, Sonia and Stephen, to have you back. And so uh, as that starts to progress, I think that's a really interesting storyline that we really like to follow along. Uh, and congratulations for pursuing that. One thing I'd like to talk about a little bit before we begin, we start to sum up is, Sonia and, and Stephen, your organization has been looked at as a exemplar in other parts of the public service. Can you talk a little bit about some of the ripple effects that the program and the work that you've had has had on other departments? Uh, yes, and, and, and I, I would say one of the, the characteristics or the leadership traits that we've encouraged from the very beginning uh, was for us to be magnanimous. Uh, so um, that spirit of collaboration and generosity uh, was more important uh, for us than kind of saying this is CRA owned and uh, we're going to just pursue our, our um, uh, approach and initiative uh, without sharing with others. So from the very beginning, we've, we've shared, we've set up uh, interdepartmental committees to look at what we're doing, but also look at what others are doing because there are some great leadership uh, initiatives happening elsewhere. So um, we, we really wanted to, to, to have that opportunity to share as a big public service um, uh, family. Um, we've been uh, doing some key partnerships with C CBSA, as, as you are well aware, Mary, and, and uh, I have to say that they have uh, developed a, a very comprehensive uh, leadership um, development piece. So uh, we're constantly talking with one another to hear what they're doing uh, so that we can learn from them and we can also share what we're doing. Um, for, for many of the other organizations, they were, I think, looking to us to see how things would go and see, you know, if there would be pitfalls along the way um, and then seeing how they could then uh, uh, follow the same journey. I would say at this point, um, a lot of other departments are are really, really interested in, in what we're doing. Uh, they have some of, at the d deputy minister level, uh, saying to their HR folks, uh, go talk to CRA to see what they're done, they've done because we want to do the same thing. So we've, we've supported the RCMP in some of their senior level um, uh, recruitment processes. Uh, we've uh, supported the public prosecutor services uh, um, organization as well. And the list goes on. Uh, Steve and team has done over how many, Steve, 30, 40 outreach session, sessions, it's at least one or two a week. Uh, it was way more than that before the pandemic, but uh, perhaps, Steve, you'd like to, to, to add other, other elements uh, in there. 
Yeah, not too much. I think you cover a lot of it there, Sonia. But yeah, we were we were sought out um, like weekly for sure. A um, little bit less now, but it's picked up again. And uh, in fact, uh, we'll be joining Mary to do a, a seminar with uh, a government agency a week after next. Um, we were with Defense last week, Auditor General before that. And what, what's interesting is, as Sonia mentioned, some some are interested for awareness and just we've heard about this it seems interesting some you can tell they're they're trying to figure out how they could take a similar approach some of it is from the top um and some of it is from the working level thinking oh how could we convince our organization to go this way i mean it's it is one of the really interesting and and i'll tell you the easy part of this job is that it's a pull not a push you know and um it, I'd say a lot of jobs I've had in my life, you know, you're pushing um, where there's such a pull here. So, uh, you know, it's tough in managing our time and keeping balance and finding time to, to keep it all in check. But there's, there's so many that are interested. And as Sonia said, though, I mean, the work we did with the public prosecutor, I mean, they, they started out, you know, quick couple of sessions. The deputy there was seized with it. Sonia assisted him to do a senior hiring level uh, process. And now they're running with it. They're, they're just they're off they're they're doing it and uh um so yeah i think it's uh and as sonia said we want to be magnanimous magnanimous and you know help where we can and uh our products we share there's no there's no secrets you know it's uh and we you know obviously you can probably tell we believe in this very strongly so anybody wants to listen to us we'll talk to them bill i think an important point and this is what really i hope our listeners get uh, and Bill, you and, you and I, Sonia, Steve, literally have talked to thousands of people. It is who is that person that takes accountability and has courage and has drive and has transcendent to move forward in the organization. And, and I, I feel like out of a, a, a podcast like this, I love to light a fire under people to say, don't sit back and wait for somebody else. Uh, your organizations need this. The world needs this. We need to step up in ways that we've never even imagined. And I can't think of a more important agenda than elevating character alongside competence. But it takes people like Sonia and Steve who weren't bystanders and said, oh, that's an interesting idea. And uh, that resonates with me. How do you people move to action? And, and at this stage, with a podcast like this, that shows very practically how an organization has moved forward, it should inspire the listener to say, I can do this. I, from wherever I sit in my organization, I don't have to wait for the you know, senior leadership to tap me on this. What can I do to move the needle? And, and Bill, I hope we do that today. Thank you, Mary. I think that's exactly right. And one of the messages of this podcast, one of the purposes of this podcast uh, is to help people understand and animate them to take these actions. The impact that people can have when they pick this work up is truly uh, almost astounding in terms of what they can do in their organizations uh, and in terms of their own personal well-being. Sonia and Steve, maybe as we come towards the end of the podcast, reflecting on your journey so far, how has it been different than your expectations? You know, what's went well and, and maybe what would you do differently if you could share it with our listeners? 
So, so I can go with a, a, a few elements uh, to summarize what, what we've talked about uh, in the past hour or so. Uh, Co-creation, uh, I say, is a must in, in these types of approaches. Uh, doubling down on development, I think, was a very good, uh, good strategy on our part to uh, shift uh, in that direction. Um, and then hankering it, um, uh, with a, an existing need, uh, we we had heard from many of our leaders that they found that the recruitment, the current recruitment process, wasn't meeting their needs. So we were hankering it uh, on something that they did not feel was going that well. Um, what I would do differently? There's tons of things that we learn. We're, we're continuing to learn. I think. I'll, I'll turn it around a little bit and talk about what worries me um, uh, on a daily basis. And, and Steve and I talk about this uh, quite a bit is the credibility of, of, of the approach, making sure we think about most of the elements around how we really uh, create a container around the approach that we're uh, implementing in the organization so that uh, uh, the, some of the risks uh, that could uh, emerge um, are at least have been thought about and mitigated along the way. Yeah, I would certainly echo that. The um, you know we we have a tendency. I, I I would say I haven't been in CRA long enough to say this, but in in government, you know, sometimes we can look for you know simple solutions to complex problems, and I, I think we sometimes minimize things. So. As Sonia said, we just have to be super cognizant, um, which goes back to the deliberate foundation of our strategy that, you know, there's there are some complexities here. Now, uh, the credibility, legitimacy, 10 bad interviews, one set of bad interviews could derail so much. Um, one bad developmental initiative. You know, we didn't really get a lot into the development uh, today, but, you know, more so than the outreach, more so than the interviews, we are engaging in developmental activities across the CRA from coast to coast to coast, thousands of people. Um, it makes, in, in terms of the success side of your the initial part of your question, like it, it just, it makes my, my heart swoon when I just see people go to one of our development workshops that the team uh, puts on, that they, they create and they run and, and people come out of there, you know, with aha moments. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen people hugging, you know, who hugs in government? I mean, people come out of these and I've seen people hugging each other. Um, you know, so it's, it's heartwarming to see the, the impact of it. That's, that's certainly amazing. We want to keep leveraging that. Um, but, you know, not everybody's on board and that's still part of the challenge is to show people. And, you know, you can't, I used to work for someone who said, you can't, you know, you can't fight logic or you can't argue with logic. So we're always going back to the, to make sure that we're, we're deliberate, we're presenting it to people because, you know, we're, we're human, human nature is human nature, as they say. So we're, we still, as Sonia said, we still have to keep working with people and really honor that interview process, uh, honor the candidates, honor the process. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's a great space to work in, though. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, as I said, dream job. Thank you, Steve. And Mary, you've been with Sonia and Steve for, for this entire journey. Any thoughts you'd like to add? I think simply the strength of character and competence of these two individuals <clears throat> and that people need to dig deep uh, to find it. I, I think that both of them could probably talk about that is that as 
as strong leaders as they were before they embarked on this, this, this very journey itself, I think, has uh, helped them even discover within themselves the character that they have and the potential even for deeper character. I think that's the piece that excites us all. And, and I, I just maybe pick up on Steve's point as well of the push versus pull. What I think enables us all in this is that, as Steve talked about, you see the effect on people personally and professionally. And there are very few things that we do in organizations that can have that kind of impact and impact fairly quickly on individuals. Even the developmental side of things that Steve talked about, getting the debrief, an individual could work on that right away. Uh, they could take that in, and there's hope then about, oh my gosh, I never really saw that that, what I thought was a virtue could be operating like a vice and my goodness, now that I see it, I, I, I can now interpret some of the struggles I've had in the past. I've got an opportunity to work on that. And in the end, we really enable human flourishing, which is just a, a, just a, an incredible agenda, I think, for us all. Thank you, Mary. And um, a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Sonia, Stephen, and, and Mary for that. I hope today's episode really points out the difference that we as individuals can make, as Mary had talked about, uh, taking up the challenge of leadership character and applying it to our, to our lives and to our workplaces can make such, uh, such change in our lives in terms of well-being and, 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 and performance and all the positive outcomes that come with it. I think today's episode also talked, or today's conversation talked a bit about the practicality of the framework, that you can integrate it into your existing practices the, the uniformity of, of the observations that come from these character interviews and, and how they stand up over time and these, the consistency really post-selection of that and the impact of the framework. Uh, it adds this critical information to the interview and selection process. Uh, as, all, uh, as both um, Sonia and Stephen have talked about, there's this pent-up demand and hunger for, for leader character and the work that it represents. Uh, and it's changing the conversation around leadership and it's having an impact on culture. Uh, and it's aspiring leaders, I think, now incorporated into their game, so to speak, as they go forward. And it produces better decisions, better outcomes, and ultimately better well-being, higher well-being, improved well-being for each and every one of us. So uh, thank you again, uh, Sonia and Steve, for joining us today, uh, for all that you've done, advancing the adoption of the Leader Character Framework, the pioneering work that you've done and the positive changes you've made throughout many, many lives that are fortunate enough to touch upon yours. And I think the changes have just begun. And I wish you again, best of luck in your future endeavors. And we would love to have you back on the podcast to share your experiences as you go forward. So thank you again for joining us today. Uh, if you've liked what you've heard today, then please share with your friends and your colleagues. And if you really like what you've heard today, please consider, consider subscribing to our podcast, Question of Character. We also have a website, questionofcharacter.com, where we'll post the various resources and articles that have been referred to today. It's also a place where you can send us your comments and your thoughts and any suggestions you might have for future episodes. We will also post links to the Ian O. Inatowicz Institute for Leadership at the Ivy Business School, where there are even more resources, articles, and information about the Ivy Leader Character Framework. So thank you again, and it's goodbye from me. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Until next time.
Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.